Hey, 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 beautiful humans. It's the Juice Queen here, delivering all those ooey-gooey, drippy topics that will leave you simply drenched in curiosity and connection. So let's vibe over, you know, the juice, shall we? My name is Mila Mandolfo, and my sole mission is to make you feel seen, heard, valued, and validated in such a way that you remember who you truly are. And in that, you're never alone. This is a soft, safe, and sassy place where all of you is welcome. So come on, let's dive in. Welcome back, lovers. I'm excited to be here today. I have a topic that keeps coming into my field on many levels. And whenever that happens, I feel like we are maybe even downloading truth from whatever source you connect with. And the message needs to be heard. When something comes into my reality or keeps coming into my heart and my head, I can't help but wonder if that message is quite simply divine and necessary to explore. So here we are, dissecting something that I find relevant and real and worth noting. So this phenomenon that I'm witnessing is an evolution of our species, both technologically and consciously. And of course, that's going to continue happening till the end of time. But while we're here in the now, let's explore what's coming up for us. So that natural, with that natural evolution comes new needs, desires, and even boundaries that we're cultivating together. These needs are for everyone, but typically they're sought out specifically by the newer generation. So I'm talking like millennials and Gen Zs and all those to come after. As we develop these new needs, the newer generations are really firing off solutions to decades worth, in my opinion, problems or things that just were no longer working for us. Now, that's not to say that older humans or older generations aren't equally contributing or funding and managing and owning these solutions and companies and so on. But it is pretty safe to say that it's the younger people that are off, often ushering in these new modes of thoughts. And so these, these new ideas and these new solutions and these just new means to an ends that perhaps the older folk who are more used to their old traditions and their and their older ways might not explore as openly. So let me give some examples of what I'm referring to. Something that is pretty obvious with current affairs within the pandemic is when millions of people had to apply for unemployment in America due to loss of work, an entire new system had to be created for people, typically young people, who were working gigs, working part-time, working for themselves, like, you know, independently, um, like independent contractors uh, during this time. I don't think Americans, or at least older folk in America, realize how much us younger people 
truly rely on side hustles or the dance between multiple part-time jobs, right? So back in the day, people were fully supported by their one, you know, occupation, their one salary. Nowadays, it's quite rare to even find a salaried position or even use a degree in which you were sold the idea, right, that it would get you a secure job, right? We were told that if we go to college, we'll, we'll pop out with a secure um, salaried uh, occupation. And to make up for security that we don't have in that way, young people are now commodifying their passion projects or simply picking up random part-time side gigs, you know, to make ends meet. So when unemployment, at least here in Colorado, literally had to create an entirely additional program for side hustles, it really highlighted the fact that young people aren't buying into the same system our parents and our grandparents, etc., once did, whether they want to or not. So we really don't have the same secure choices that our parents once did. The whole go to college, get a degree, have salaried employment, house and a spouse, white picket fence, squirt out some kids and, you know, carry on with your nine to five until you're retired and then figure out if you can possibly afford some fun when you're, I don't know, 70. It's like even praise to be within the same position for multiple decades. Um, But as someone who leaves a job as soon as it declines my travel requests or no longer aligns with my personal goals, I, I don't know, I'm kind of It kind of reminds me of any relationship, to be honest, right? Like as soon as a relationship is no longer serving you, abort mission. (laughs) But I believe we are constantly evolving beings. And so our choice of work and what we invest our time in should reflect that. So maybe we go to college for a certain degree, for a certain career. And like five years in, we realize holy shit, I fucking hate this, (laughs) or this doesn't align with who I currently am, or I'm unhappy, or whatever the story might be, it's kind of like been shamed to quit, right, or give up, or we we are told to (laughs) basically forfeit our happiness for money and security, Um, and I'm just sharing that It seems like the newer generations aren't buying into that as easily and they're coming up with other ways to supplement their income. And a lot of the times that looks like, you know, part-time gigs and side hustles, which may be like, I know a lot of people who walk dogs for WAG or deliver food on DoorDash or drive for Uber or have um, OnlyFans, anything like like independent contracting work, right? And yeah, so I say it's not a choice anymore because just 50 years ago, the average cost of a home in America 
was literally $12,000. And the average cost of tuition was $250 per year. Not, not semester. Let me clarify. Not semester, not per class or credit. Literally $250 per fucking year. That's $1,000 for a four-year college degree, which is obviously absolutely unheard of. Like, <laughs> whoa. Um, and maybe you're like, okay, but that was then and this is now. What about inflation and all that jazz? And just to put this into perspective, the average income in America back then, like yearly, was ten grand. Okay, so yes, a house was worth an entire year's average income and a little bit more because like I said, average um, cost of a home was 12 grand. Average income was 10 grand. Um, However, the average income in America today is 50k. And that's a little on the higher end. Meanwhile, the average cost of a home today is $350,000. So that's seven times more expensive than if inflation wise than it was you know 50 years ago in 1970 I just want to like clarify that again just I know math is weird back in the day buying a house was worth one year's worth of income and today an average home is worth seven years of average income in America. So that's just some food for thought. Our parents were sold the American dream and that same dream was indoctrinated into all of us, yet the accessibility is far more out of reach. I mean, as most of us know, the federal minimum wage in America, which is about $7.50, literally has not changed for nearly 15 years, which is quite obviously preposterous as we continue deep deeper and deeper into the greatest economic depression America has ever fucking seen and don't get me wrong there are still plenty of young people who fall into the footsteps of their predecessors and genuinely want the white picket fence American dream and that is a totally valid desire who doesn't want financial security and stability in their home Trust me, if houses were still attainable and affordable, we would all aim to own them. But if you think of it this way, land is, is more limited than it was 50 years ago. And thus, there's less land to build on and thus homes are scarcer and with scarcity means profitability, right? So what I'm seeing and sharing circling back around here is that there are people who are either genuinely no longer resonant with that path or quite literally don't have access to it. And as a result, we have to change and adapt to new sustainable systems, whether that be unemployment during the pandemic or otherwise. Younger generations are saying no to the nine to five and realizing that their time is worth more than seven, eight, nine even 10 even $15 an hour because honestly data shows that even the $15 minimum wage that is in some cities no longer fucking cuts it. In fact, in most big cities, you would need to make I believe it's 30 to $35 an hour to live 
comfortably to live a normal life to meet your basic fucking needs and that's and that $30 an hour is obviously unheard of like that's a that's not no one is offering 30 fucking dollars an hour you're you're extremely lucky to be offered $20 an hour and keep in mind of course all of this is going to get taxed and it doesn't like in order for get to get what we actually need it would need to be 20 what 23 33 dollars an hour to actually see that 20 or 30 hourly in your um returns so here we are figuring this all out together step by step and doing the scary thing which is unsubscribing to our parents safety net and i say safety in air quotes because as we just explored there really is no safety there really there really isn't even a fucking net at all anymore we are finding new ways to create income and self-sustain we are putting down the systems that no longer work for us. And when we do that, we realize, hmm, maybe I would rather work a handful of part-time jobs or gigs that allow me my personal time and freedom, freedom to explore who I am, what I want, what's my purpose, and how I want to show up in the world versus slaving away salary slavery is what I like to call it because once you're locked into salary careers it's low-key safe it's low low-key modern day slavery um, because then suddenly we're like oh I can't do this thing I really wanted to do my entire life because I don't have any you know PTO or um, you know I can't spend time with my family because I need to be on call 24 7 or this and that and we're making all these excuses and it's in my opinion salary slavery modern day slavery slavery and it's for someone else's dream in this corporate america illusion that we're operating operating in and the more that we try this out this unsubscribing and see that it does work and we lean into trust right because going against the grain of what our parents expect and our and our um, like employers and our grandparents and all of our elders expect and demand of us is fucking scary and hard the more we truly do own our personal time and every time we experience success by foregoing the old ways to to choose our personal time and our personal freedom through gig work or entrepreneurship we are step by step showing our parents that it is possible not to mention our employers as well right because when they see that the new generations have alternative options no matter how much they want to deny it and hold on to the past they are realizing that they actually have to step the fuck up and offer us better wages and better working conditions something i think about often on that note is um i feel like job interviews should go both ways they are the ones trying to convince us to sell our precious time and able bodies so what's in it for us right why should we give them 40 plus hours of our week? Do they have references of happy employees? What perks make them stand out to the, to the next competitors? Back in the day, like I said, you know, careers and working 40 hours a week, 
that ensured and I mean that ensured security and safety and also that single stream because back in the day all we needed was a single stream income to provide for like a family of four those were the old stats nowadays both parents need to be working full-time and probably have side gigs and side hustles and if the kids are old enough they're probably working for their own money like already at 16 or older like it's just not the same hmm so yeah when we're when we're like um holding our employers accountable, it it can even be seen as a boundary of sorts, in my opinion. Like we're naming our needs. um, We're being clear with our personal needs and boundaries. And we are in a way demanding them to be met. Otherwise, we're not going to work for you. So for the first time ever, our um, employers have to listen to our needs and desires, um, especially during the pandemic, because people don't want to fucking work like they have now people are working from home and they're seeing that all these jobs could have been done in the comfort of their own home and uh, we're just I I think that's something beautiful about the pandemic is that we're being able to slow down and witness um, our worth to be frank Um, because these things these needs and desires were previously overlooked or even ignored in you know throughout the occupational fields so in that way we are rebuilding a new reality and taking our power back we are showing new generations there are more than one way to exist more than one way to be successful and to be happy and that doesn't always have to look like 401ks retirement funds and literally lifelong depression in that way we are putting our foot down and we are simultaneously changing the game like never before and honestly what so what's the problem with donating 40 hours or more of our time to something that doesn't have anything to do with us so so to me I feel life is ever fleeting and what we do with our time and how we spend our time is literally who we become so if we give away 40 hours of our time our energy in our youth a week to companies and missions that don't light us up or serve us, we are voluntarily declining access to our own passions and our own purpose and dreams. We are forfeiting our own truest mission in exchange for the illusion of corporate security. And even if we do work for someone else through gig work and all that, or independent contracting, etc., We are typically doing so because we get higher wages for less hours of work. So, you know, again, going back to those examples that I use, like um, WAG, or if you're on care.com and you're nannying, um, or DoorDash and stuff like that, you're getting, you know, 20 plus dollars an hour and you're creating your own schedule. So when we get to create our own schedule that serves us, we leave room, you know, open time for what we actually enjoy. Um, so, for example, we could work like balls to the wall Friday, Saturday, Sunday, even Thursday, throw that in there, like long hours if we want to and make fat cash super fast. And then on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, sometimes Thursdays, we can refocus on what brings us joy what are our hobbies what are our passions what you know what are we can prioritize our own happiness something previous generations 
weren't even, you know, able to observe like we can now. Okay. All right. So another example is like Uber and Lyft, rideshare, such simple new technologies that have vastly transformed the world. So can we pause for a minute and consider the fact that Gen Alpha, which are those who are born after 2010, won't even know a world without Uber, among other things. But isn't that fucking wild? Back in, like, when I was, you know, 10, 15, whatever, like, the only writers were uh, taxis. Taxis. And it's like a whole ordeal, right? Um, but here we are having this new need. Well, okay, so it's always been a need for transportation, of course, and there was the taxi, but we needed an update to the system, something faster at our fingertips with cashless service, reviews, something to match the modern times. And so, boom, we had this need, and an end was met with rideshare apps, which has literally transformed the way that we transport all over the world. And I'm not saying that the founders of all these modern companies are millennials, but I am saying that the needs of the millennials and the future generations are so loud and convincing that creatives are fucking listening and producing life-altering solutions where tailor-made rides pull up to your front door with GPS and instant messaging. Like, whoa, <laughs> this is a profound progression. And another factor is how empowering it is to the individuals through the employee lens, like we were discussing before, because literally anyone that meets the prereqs can become an Uber or a Lyft driver. And that, again, is totally relevant to that first point, which is sovereignty when it comes to working, right? Like, so, again, I know a lot of people who do Uber or DoorDash, things where you can create your own schedule, build your own hours and have a higher hourly wage, and we're seeing more and more of that all over the workforce. And I just love to see it. I love to see people taking their power back as a species. We're basically saying, hey, look, I'm out here trying to survive and thrive and working 50 years for $10 an hour is no longer going to cut it. What else do you got? Okay, so another example in that same realm would be Netflix, right? So just a couple of decades ago, Netflix and Hulu and all those streaming platforms we're literally not a thing at all, which is such a trip. Um, and in order to see films or watch TV, you had to subscribe to cable, which means you also had to subscribe to commercials and advertising as well. If you wanted to see a movie, you had to go to the theater or rent one from Blockbuster after patiently awaiting for its release. I'm just thinking about how on is now on Disney Plus, you can watch a brand new movie directly from your TV if you want. You just have to like pay a little more. I know I did that when Cruella came out. We have totally transformed the way that we consume film and television. TV shows you used to have to wait each week or each season or hope for a marathon airing maybe once a year if you didn't have the series on box set or whatever, but now you can literally binge an entire five-season series in one fucking night if you wanted to. It's it's insane. It, it's really, again, just one of those things where we had an evolved need, and it was filled with this lovely modern adaptation that has, again, empowered the individual, because we have now opted out of cable subscriptions, and thus, simultaneously, 
in my opinion, indoctrination from the ever-increasing ads that are on those devices. And that's not to say, of course, that all these new streaming devices or, or services like Hulu and like Spotify um, and so on also, you know, of course, have ads on the basic subscriptions, but you can pay more to remove them. And I find that extremely empowering to the species as a whole because we have never had permission to opt out before. And in that way, we were being forced into something and spoon-fed energy that we didn't sign up for necessarily. Another fun example is OnlyFans. OnlyFans is a platform that invites individuals to hop on and create content that can only be accessed by their fans or subscribers. And you pay a monthly subscription to access the individual's content. It has developed pretty much solely into a personalized pornography site. This again begs the theme of empowering the individuals, the content creators, not only through sexual empowerment, but again, economic sovereignty. So prior, if you wanted to access pornography, you would rent videos or perhaps purchase them in sex shops, right? And in doing so, you would also only be viewing porn stars. Um, which, sadly to say, have been filtered through the cisgendered patriarchal lens, which is extremely toxic to our collective, collective psyches when it comes to sexuality. Whether it be how men expect women to look, right, their physical bodies um, in porn, or how they perform in porn, um, but also how females um, expect themselves to look or perform in that, that deeply embedded patriarchal lens in which, in which we all perceive sex is so fucking daunting, so fucking toxic and harmful mm, to us as a collective. It's a very Stepford wife way to consume sexual content where everything looks the same. I'm talking like women literally getting, you know, vulva and labia surgeries um, to fit into these unrealistic standards and expectations that we see on um in general right like in general and in, in mass media but also specifically in porn as well which can be even more harmful to the psyche um, because it's such a vulnerable area that not many people get to see and so we're constantly um concerned and comparing um, do I look like that? Why don't I look like that? Should I look like that? Do I need to pay money to look like that? Um, it's just an absurd fucking pressure on the female and, and the male anatomy for that matter, because you're always usually just seeing these monster penises and like, that's totally unrealistic as well. Like the whole fucking thing is unrealistic. Um, what a fucking clusterfuck. And this is coming from someone who is honestly pro porn. Like I'm like, don't get me wrong like but nonetheless this can't be refuted right this is all super fucking real um but anyways with only fans any human can create content to be viewed this means those cultural you know pressures and expectations um are being slayed because so many varied bodies um 
and body hair and sexual styles and kinks are being exposed uh, through through OnlyFans and these other um, human to human sites. And it's fucking empowering to see yourself or someone who looks like you on the screen. Hashtag representation fucking matters. And it's not from a porn star lens. So the average human who might not even have tons of, tons of sexual experience, um, they might even be amateurs, if you will, also have the opportunity to connect with their sacral center and offer themselves in a consensually sexual way. So while like, holy shit, we, these newer generations basically, again, took our power back, took back the porn industry in a sense. Again, not to diss on the conventional porn at all. I'm, I support all consenting sex workers, but I see so many humans, especially women, stepping into their sh- sexual prowess and sexual power, which of course has for centuries, if not millennia, been you know squandered and shunned um, and hated on. So places like OnlyFans are giving people permission to step into their sensuality and get fucking paid, like g- legitimately paid. I'm talking direct deposit to their bank account type of shit. Because how often is it that women are put into occupations and exploited for their sexuality? I'm not even talking sex work because let me tell you how literally every single fucking job I've ever had from front desk to line cook to floor manager and literally everything in between, I have been sexually harassed in some way, whether it be coworkers hitting on me, owners propositioning me, managers trying to kiss me and so on. I'm literally not fucking kidding or exaggerating. Women and honestly, people of all genders are constantly being abused for their beauty and their bodies and the pay is not enough to constantly endure this shit like can i get a fucking amen the disrespect is fucking real y'all but now OnlyFans creators can make content from the safety of their own home with their own rules and their own regulations and their own rates and their own regimens. And I can't think of anything more fucking empowering than that. If we're going to be exploited for sex anyway, we might as well be in control of it. And I know the fucking patriarchy, patriarchy hates that. Another example of a way that we rebuild reality from the inside out is social media. Social fucking media. There's so many aspects of social media, so I'm just going to zone in on a few that I'm directly referring to. The only way we used to consume media or news or current affairs was from the newspaper, right, back in the day, or the radio, and then eventually the television, and then slowly online articles and, and, you know, stuff like that. Now, social media has created this entire new wave of consuming news and current affairs or tabloids or whatever. I know I follow a few accounts. I'm sure we all have um, maybe a couple here and there on our social medias that keep us in the news and the now. Um, But it is completely different. It is an entirely new way to consume um, current affairs that we didn't have before. Dude, I I swear I even see ads on TV when I'm around TVs, which is hardly ever. Like, I'm talking cable TV. Um, But, yeah, when I'm there, I literally see ads 
for social media like Facebook or Instagram on the television screen. Like what? What is that? <laughs> no one is on cable TV anymore and they're pushing us off because they know it's no longer effective. Like TV wasn't an, like the main point of TV used to be indoctrination and like uh, pressure and advertising, right? So they know it's not effective anymore. So they're pushing us over to social medias because that's now where they, they can control us. Um, <sighs> yeah, so they're literally hiring social media managers to target the younger audiences. I don't know if you've seen companies like, you know, McDonald's or Wendy's or literally any any big corporation now has uh, little social media accounts. Um, and they go on there and they leave these comments <laughs> that you know on twitter or tiktok which are pretty fucking hilarious honestly because some of these some some gen z kid is leaving super silly trendy silly um responses to um videos or you know tweets or whatever and they're honestly fantastic <laughs> keep your eye out for those the only people who still watch cable tv are the older generations honestly who don't know anything else and they don't want to change and we've all heard the concept you can't teach an old dog new tricks or whatever but what's more true is that they're just used to what they're used to but I will say even my boomer dad only watches Apple TV and YouTube now and I think it's kind of cute actually because he doesn't like commercials I mean who does right fuck that point is no one's there anymore. No one's hanging out there anymore. Everyone's online. Everyone's streaming. Everyone's showing up differently as we evolve. And again, we come back to that sovereignty piece because we're not being ushered into these certain advertisements anymore, aka low-key, even high-key brainwashing. Cough, cough, mockingbird project, if you want to look that up. Although, I don't know if you all have noticed... On every social media platform, especially now that Zuckerberg owns everything under the fucking sun, um, but the advertising algorithm is post, post, ad, post, post, ad. So 25% of what you're consuming are like creepy, tailor-made advertisements. Go or Sorry, I think it's post, 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 ad, actually. So it's like three regular contents that you follow and then an ad. Um, go ahead, check it out for yourself. It's three posts and then an ad. So don't get me wrong. They're still infiltrating our minds, whether subconsciously or not. And I'm not minimizing that. It's one of the major downfalls of social media in general. And I'd like to pause and say that there are, of course, many fucking downfalls to all these ne new technologies. However, within that is this core new piece, which stems from self-power, self-interest, self sustainability and personal choice because at least we do get to semi-choose what we are consuming what ads that we engage in and click on um, who we are following or what hashtags we follow if we want to accept or deny friend requests and so on so in that way we are in control um, and we do get to consume data in a way that we've never been able to before so then, of course, the other aspect of social media is that we get to connect in new ways that we've never been able to. Websites like Facebook, Instagram, even Tumblr or Reddit, all these things 
um, where we have shared forums or, you know, posts where people from all over the world can connect and communicate over like-minded topics. This has really like slingshot, is that a word? Slingshotted (laughs) us into the future. We are sharing ideas and inspirations faster than ever before. And it really does have an impact on our consciousness. Just think like 50 years ago, in order to meet up with a friend, you had to call their landline to check to see if they were home or basically drive to the bar or wherever in hopes that they were already there. Or maybe if they were ahead of the times, they had a pager. Do y'all even know what a pager is? (laughs) Like a small device, little square device with a tiny little screen that you clip to your pants and someone would call you and the number would show up on the tiny little black and white screen and it would beep. It would page you that the number called almost like a portable voicemail machine, except no voicemail, just the number itself. And then you would have to find a payphone to call that number back. It's like crazy to think that that was just a couple of decades ago. Now kids don't even know what the fuck I'm talking about. (laughs) Sounds really fucking ancient, to be honest. Payphones are nearly carrier pigeons at this point. And so here we are in social media is just instantly messaging people from all over the world. When it used to cost an arm and a leg to make international phone calls, now we can talk to anyone literally with a click of a button. That's a long fucking way we've come. We are paving the way for old needs to be met in new, profound, creative ways. People who have never even met are communicating with like-minded individuals on these forums that I'm referring to. I mean, and sometimes they're not even like-minded, right? Like, there's constant comment wars and so on. But my point is, we are sharing ideas and data and stories like never before. And this instantaneous global connection, it's like like this network, like fractalization, does wonders far beyond the eyes can see it is widening and strengthening the collective consciousness that actually this example is coming up for me i forget where i watched this it must have been some type of documentary but the example was um there's this collage i believe there's a hundred faces within the collage um but from when you're far away from it it doesn't like you you have to like really search for all the faces okay and The experiment was they took the collage in one place. They asked people to see how many they could find. Let's say they could find a dozen, okay, this control group or whatever. They they could find a hundred, or sorry, they could find a dozen. And they did this little experiment all over the world, and people were only finding the average of a dozen faces, okay? Then they took that control group, and they showed them the hundred faces. They pointed them all out, and they showed them where they all were. Shortly after that, they would check in with the rest of the groups around the world, and they were suddenly able to find the fucking faces. Uh, So this experiment was basically trying to show that we have this collective energetic database, if you will, this this network, this this network of consciousness, that when we um, come into awareness in one part of the world... um, not too long after are other people around the world having similar ideas okay similar consciousness awakening 
Why am I sharing this? Because it's one example of how the collective consciousness works. We have this invisible database that we can all pull from, and it's been in existence from the beginning of time. Um, if you know about the Akashic Records, similar, right? Similar thing here. And when we learn something as a species, that's why, for example, when someone has a new idea or an invention in one part of the world, it's known to be the case that within relative time to the invention, someone in another part of the world who didn't know about the original invention had that same idea. It's not always the case. There's definitely plenty of capitalistic copying going on, but the phenomena is real. I know it's happened within my own communities even. Like I might have a major experience or epiphany at a certain time and place, and then I talk to another friend in another part of the country or even the world, and that ex they might be going through a similar experience or a similar epiphany. So the more information a person has access to online, for example, at the tip of their fingertips constantly on a phone, for example, the more it becomes simultaneously accessible to the collective consciousness as we consume it. And this is what's happening within the realms of social media as we consume and share and consume and share and thus evolve at a faster rate. And I just think it's fucking fascinating, especially since these tools didn't even exist 20 years ago. But I, before I forget, I wanted to loop back around and mention how people on so back to social media here, um, how people can basically become famous overnight. Again, something new to our current times. And although there are plenty of people for sure intentionally pushing their content for fame and followers, sometimes it's just like a silly video of a dog or a sweet, you know, TikTok of a little old man. <laughs> and it pops off and becomes a meme for the rest of eternity. And we're all um, engaging and relating with these, you know, fucking images and memes and jokes and modes of thought. And I think this is massive simply for the fact that the only way you could get famous in the past was through Hollywood. And now people are getting recognized. Regular Joe, Joe Schmoes are getting recognized from the comfort of their own homes. And some of these people are out here doing beautiful work, whether that be sharing their art, sharing their creations, or uh, helping others in need, or, you know, small businesses and, and small artists and regular old Joes with something important to say or share are being seen. And I find that to be a crucial step forward as a species, because people, regular people deserve access to fame and fortune and followers because as we just dissected previously these old ways and old school jobs and careers and systems no longer work so here we are redefining how to show up in the world how to have a voice and a place in the world i have a gen z sister who put me on to tiktok in 2020 <laughs> when the world was falling apart and i shit you not i mean at first i was like not interested at all but wow then next thing I know I'm like sitting there for an hour with her watching these fucking 15 second clips <laughs> all the beauty and awe and giggles and inspiration on that app is what kept me going some days holy serotonin I swear there's so much joy to be had on that app I just love seeing the normal average human on there sharing their souls with the world 
only to have so much validation and positive feedback from complete fucking strangers. And I don't know, that's just the collective uplifting that we need these days. The comment section of TikTok is literally at least 50% of its value to me. I love the community on there. That's not to say that there isn't, of course, constant cyberbullying that even I've been a victim to after getting docs last year, but I'm really seeing this positive encouragement from, from audiences, at least on places like TikTok. And you know, you know, even saying places like TikTok is fun because we really do go to Instagram. We really do go to TikTok and hang out there. Like we're literally hanging out on these apps and connecting and communicating as if we were in a virtual room. And that honestly kind of reminds me of one of my favorite fucking books called Ready Player One. If you hadn't have not read that shit, oh my God, please do. And just so you know, the movie is trash. Do not compare them. The book is so profoundly relevant to this episode and to the world as a whole. Anywho, I think that, you know, we would have never imagined social media to become what it is today. And I know it gets a lot of flack. And I am the first one to take, you know, a social media break and cleanse because I definitely am aware of the negative impact that it has on my personal mental health sometimes. But I think it's also important to pause and acknowledge the benefits from time to time. All right, another example I have is Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. Talk about changing the fucking world. We all had this mainstream money service, the central bank, and then new generations were like, you know what? I think we should make up some virtual fucking money. <laughs> and before that, yeah, we also had platforms like PayPal and Venmo, which also changed the game. And in Cash App, you can even buy crypto on Cash App and PayPal. And these virtual fucking coins are literally worth over $50,000 per coin now. It's insane. And yes, crypto has its faults when it comes to its you know, validity, like, vol it's, it's volatile. And even the, it's, you know, it's not very sustainable energetically. And they're working on that. Um, but again, it's giving the power back to the people because a lot of them are decentralized. They are not controlled the way that our banks typically are. And within that is a sense of freedom. And in some cases, even a nominality. These anonymity <laughs> sorry I struggled with that word uh, <laughs> anyways there is a sense of ease high security and undeniable exponential growth within these currencies to the fucking moon let's go <laughs> young people and old but especially young people who don't have access to old money are out here becoming literal millionaires with a couple clicks and right moves I don't know what's more new age and powerful than that. And let's be frank for a second. This shit is definitely scaring the older generations that either A, don't understand it yet, or B, hate that it can't be controlled. Meanwhile, I know people defying the old systems by purchasing million dollar homes and luxury cars with virtual coins. How fucking amusing. As someone who genuinely believes that we are an evolving species, I mean... Just think back to the whole 2012, December 26, Mayan prediction where everyone thought the world was going to end. Do you remember that? Um, but then <laughs> when we all survived, it was later reframed into 
No, they were saying that a certain level of consciousness was dying and a new level of consciousness was emerging. And I personally have actually paid close attention since then and have watched our species lean more into awareness and into spirituality and self-growth and personal development on small and large scales. Corporate ag and the emergence of veganism and vegetarianism. There's been way more focus on recycling and green alternatives and green energy and clean living. There's been an influx of meditators and yoga teachers and mental health awareness and climate change and social justice and fast, fast, the, you know, the impact of fast fashion or people doing van life and self-sustainability and earthships and gardening and, and even just an influx on houseplants <laughs> in general, like people just caring for the earth and caring for themselves more than ever. We have come a long way since that Mayan prediction, and in many ways, it really was the end of the world as we knew it. We're basically deprogramming, if you will, and relearning who we are from a new lens. And so I'm just saying that I have witnessed an evolution in consciousness, a heavy evolution in consciousness since 2012. And one of my own personal little social experiments I want to share is, so back in the day, I would post little like esoteric memes, but it was before memes were even called memes, <laughs> just like little pictures or or excerpts about consciousness or spirituality or whatever. And uh, they wouldn't get much traction on my socials at all. But now when my little time hop shows up these days, I will reshare the same exact meme or sentiment, but not from the reshare button. I'll just like download the photo and then reshare it. And 10 years later, I'll have hundreds of likes and all these people who are in resonant with the exact same concept or image that I was resharing, you know, all that, you know, all those years ago. And sometimes it's even the same fucking people who weren't resonant. <laughs> and now they're engaging with the post and now they agree with the post or whatever. And what it, you know, what it shows me is that there's this evolution of people um, in general, but also within my own community that are leaning into these new ideas and or I guess they're not exactly new but like they're they're more open to these um esoteric topics and these spiritual topics that maybe at, you know back then seemed a little woo-woo and out of touch for them we only go up from here and let's just keep in mind folks that you know, I don't mean to sound morbid here, but the dinosaurs are dying off. And I'm just saying that, you know, slowly but surely and unfortunately, as we lose our loved ones, the older generations, you know, life will take its course. And with them goes old ideals and old mentalities that have kind of been limiting for us, in my opinion. Can you imagine what society will look and feel like when the majority is no longer boomers and, and you know, Gen X, but the majority is millennials and uh, Gen Z and uh, Gen Alpha and then eventually Gen Beta and so, and so forth? 
And if we have already come this far in consciousness and technology, can you fucking imagine what those next generations are going to bring forward for us? <laughs> like, no, we can't imagine, but I'm fucking here for it. Because if these new generations are coming out so fierce and full of ideas already, then I have so much hope for the future. I'm a big believer in manifestation and visualization as a tool. And what we can't see, we can't call forward, right? Or, or at least it'll be a lot harder and a lot slower. If we aren't clear on what we seek, we can't call it in. So I like to practice visualization. So I'm calling on you right now. So if you had a genie in a bottle and you could create the most perfect uh, utopian future, the most perfect reality for us as a species, I'm talking your wildest dreams here, what would that look like? Become aware of the space between your eyebrows. They call that the third eye. And then travel like an elevator from your third eye down to your heart center. And from your heart center, envision a little projector screen in front of you. And on that projector screen is this perfect utopian future, your ideal future. It doesn't all have to be identical. This is your genie in a lamp. What do you see? I want you to get clear on what you see. What does the future look like? How do people treat each other? What are they wearing? Um, what is the, you know, city look like? What does the country look like? Is it emergence of the two? Um, what are we eating? Do we have pesticides? Uh, what does it taste like? What does the food taste like? What does it smell like? Does it smell like pollution? Does it smell like flowers? <laughs> Get into your sensory experience. So what does it smell like, taste like, look like, feel like? energetically and texturally um, and sound like how are people talking to each other and so forth this is just an exercise I like to share with clients and loved ones when they're trying to call something in when they're trying to manifest this is how we do it this is how we do it yeah we got to be clear to call it in baby so on your free time consider using this exercise because if we all get clear on what we want for the future the, like as a collective, then the faster that we call it in, okay, the faster and more clear we need to be crystal, like if you're crystal clear, then we can all become slowly and surely crystal clear and actually pull it in, pull in what we're trying to magnetize. It's often the case that we're so murky in our goals and manifestations that they never come through, right? So if we take a moment to drop in on what our ideal reality looks like, um, you know, because the more of us who do this, the faster and stronger it'll show up in our collective consciousness and become a reality. <sighs> For example, I mean, all these incredible inventions that we addressed in this podcast all came from someone who had an original thought, then visualized and expanded on that thought, and then spoke on that thought, in divine detail, so much so that they brought it into action, we have to start somewhere, right? So let's let's use the resources we have. We are very powerful, magical beings, and we really do have access to our grandest potential. All of our limitations are just mind-made. 
And all it takes is a little decluttering to remember that. So here's a little nudge from me to remind you of your power. And that's what this entire episode is about. It's about remembering your power. It's about these little indigo children and rainbow children, everybody, you know, you know, millennials and forward that were brought out into this dimension here on earth with some really fucking cool, radical new ways of living and existence and energy. And within that, we redefine reality from the inside out in such a way that it's giving us permission to live more authentically and in our truth. (sighs) Thank you all for tuning in to share this observation with me. I really hope that slowing down to acknowledge this very real progression of collective power has maybe instilled some newfound courage to live unapologetically in your authentic truth and maybe even offer a sense of ease and trust as we lean in and accept the new direction of the world. Oh, and P.S. Don't let the media divide us, millennials and Gen Z. We are stronger together and they know it. No one cares about your skinny jeans or middle part. (laughs) Ta-ta for now, my loves. Juice Queen, signing off. Thank you.